Good evening. We've got three blades in a pub tonight, as unfortunately Dan is unable to join us. But um, after some horrendous news coming out of S2 last week, uh, where one of the playing staff, the ladies' team, sadly passed away, um, it's been a really difficult week for all United fans and everyone at Four Blades uh, really just sends out their condolences to all friends, family and anyone connected with Maddie. Um, and it would only be right that we mark that. Um, and a quite unpleasant few days to be a Blade. It only got worse on Sunday afternoon. So we're going to try and talk a little bit about the football um, and then see if we've got the energy to look forward to a visit to West Ham on Saturday afternoon. So, like I say, I'm John. I've got Phil with me. Hello. And I've got Ian. Good evening. Uh, Dan is somewhere between Sheffield and Birmingham. I've been, been working at the NEC today. So, yeah, good luck with that journey. It's not. It can either take about 10 minutes or what seems like 10 hours. So, who knows? Well, maybe not 10 minutes, but it depends on the driving. So, Sunday, gentlemen, um, there was a game of football. There was some very touching tributes uh, to Maddie before the game. Really moving to watch it on television. Newcastle, particularly, I think, uh, conducted themselves with like real high degree of class. And yeah, it was um, it was obviously like a, a very poignant start to the game. Um, I, I wasn't there in the stadium, uh, but you two were. And yeah, things didn't really cheer up much after a very sombre start to proceedings on the pitch, did they? So I don't even know where to start because it seems quite, quite naive to get so angry and upset about football when there's more important things going on. But we are going to try and talk about the football a bit. So Ian, off, to you, off you go. I was just picking up on what you said. I think, you know, I think the way in which United uh, remembered Maddie on Sunday and the way they went about it, both pre-match, which I know those on TV didn't see, um, in the 15 minutes beforehand, but also before kickoff and the fans during the game was really well thought through because sometimes these things can be a bit, can seem crass or not well done. And not that you ever want to be doing that. Give them credit for that. Um, where'd you start? It was funny, actually. I came out of the ground at full time and I wasn't, and maybe it was the everything that's happened and, and around the game and a bit of perspective about life. It didn't really hit me as a kind of 8-0 defeat. I mean, it was, second half particularly, it was painful viewing. It was frustrating. But I kind of lost a lot of anger about it. It just happened. <laughs> um, and the bizarre thing was that despite something where you know the ground was uh, a very sombre place beforehand United started very much on the front foot and probably opened the match quite well but then it felt like a, an accumulation of incidents um, decisions just kind of snowballed and we lost our way. Um, I'm not sure what else to say to staff, but hopefully that's set the scene a bit. I think um, I've, I've listened to uh, Blades Pod today and I thought summing up of, of what happened during the 90 minutes of the, of the football, I thought Ben and Andrew summed it up really, really well. And it almost felt a little bit like they'd, they'd been listening to my thoughts because even some of the words I would use to describe it, they kind of said. And and the one that the one that struck me, I said it at the time on on Sunday evening, and, I, and I've kind of talked about it a little bit since, is it, it felt like a bit of a perfect storm, that game. So many things contributed to what ended up happening in the end. Everything that went off before and, and the lead up to the game 
and the emotions starting the game, that will have heightened and affected the emotions of the players mentally and physically. And I think to a degree, I think you saw that with the way they started because we, we did start on the front foot and we started really, really well. And it, a better finisher than than Luke Thomas, we could have been two 0 up before before we conceded. Moving on for, uh, be, before before any of that, the fact that we'd not got our best header of a ball playing because of what had happened at the Spurs game, clearly that went on to affect the game in terms of the fact we conceded four headed goals. Obviously, he wouldn't have defended the Callum Wilson one, but it'd have been certainly in the back in the defence for for the first three goals. The decisions that we had, not many people can argue they didn't go against us. The, the handball for the first goal is ridiculous. It looked to me from where I was sat like it was a handball that made Wes tip it over for the corner for the second. And the, the free kick given against Robinson's just ludicrous. If anything, it's a free kick the other way, in my opinion. Gordon, uh, not Gordon, sorry, who was it? Longstaff's just gone straight over him. He hasn't made yeah. an attempt to lunge at Longstaff in any way whatsoever. Longstaff's Long, gone over Long him. Longstaff bottles the challenge. Massively. And Robinson does everything right you're told to do, fully commit, plays the ball, you get a bit of the man, whatever, and, and gets booked for it. That's the one that really I just like, fuck, like, fuck off. But like, then but then you you take the, take the fact that we don't like the decisions out of it, their finishing was impeccable. Mm. Yeah, they had chances as the game went on, but... Teams have had chances against us before, but to score eight of the chances they've got adds to that perfect storm. They were so hungry for more and more goals and clinical with their finishing. It just contributed to the fact that we were so lacklustre, lacking heart, lacking drive, lacking any kind of belief, second half in particular. And if anything, we were lucky it was eight. Yeah. And that's that in itself, though, the fact that saying the phrase we're lucky it's a is just for me. And this is where, so I think my, I had the luxury of, I could have turned the TV off, but I sat and suffered through it all. But like for me, it hit home on Monday morning. It was just, it's just completely at any level of football, particularly the only time it's maybe acceptable is in a in in like the FA Cup if we're talking like somebody from the tenth tier plays somebody at the top tier and they do that to them. But it was that level of performance. There are other circumstances at play, but it's unacceptable. And I'm still maybe not as strong in my belief as I was on Sunday. But I really don't know how Heckingbottom ever shakes this off. Maybe not how he comes back from that, which was my original take. But I think Dan said this in our group chat as well. It's going to follow him around like a bad smell, this result. For in the short term, it could cost him his job if we then put two other, two or three other bad results together with it. But long term, like it doesn't uh, help that he contributed to it as well, John. Well, this is the thing. And they're sort of Decisions from the bench were poor. People talk about the formation. I don't think enough's really being made about like Tom Davis, obviously being thrown in like that. And then people saying, oh, he's dog shit. It's like he was thrown on when he was 7 0 or whatever it was down. What's he meant to do? Same with Slomani. Like well, these. As like, an aside, me and my mates out there thought at least Davis was trying to do something positive at a time when we were just like luster all over the pitch. There's nothing much moving. But it's poor, it's poor decision-making. I understand they're senior players, but that's just a story about our squad, really, and how it's how it's completely lacking. But I just don't... Like, it's just unacceptable. It's unacceptable that we lost that. Some of the performances are unacceptable. And it, I think the emotion... Like, I'm angry, but I'm also a little bit, like, baffled that it happened at the same time. So this is a question I was going to ask, um, and I was going to ask this before listening to Blades Pod, and they touched on it as well. Has this been coming? Well, I, I this is where I disagreed a bit with Ben and Andrew, because 
I don't know if we like both of them a lot, by the way. Hi, lads. I know you both listen. Um, so for me, I don't know if one week we can say, well, we, we were nearly there, playing really well, unfortunate officials of Costas. And then after the next game, say, well, statistically, this has been coming. But, the, but that's goals change games, an old adage, and and but it, it it's true. You could be you could be losing a game one nil and been abysmal and get two goals out of nothing. And you go home happy. In that game against Spurs, they missed several chances early on. Get one or two or even three of those in with three nil down at half time at Spurs. I don't think the kid took them to the ninety eighth and hundred and second minute to win the game, and. I, when I say has it been coming, have we got away with have we got away with it a little bit so far to make it look like things have been closer than they have? That's that's kind of where I'm coming from. I don't know, because everyone has everyone's claimed the defence has been at sixes and sevens, yet we've only until the other day lost by one goal. So I, with, a, I, I, with a keeper that's been topper all the stats. No, yeah, agreed, Phil. But then like Annals got the most blocks in the league so far this season. And people saying the defense has been poor, yet he's putting more blocks than anyone. We're facing more shots. So, like, we can, like, with a statistic, you can counter it by like reality. But equally, like, reality, like, just blows statistics out of the water. So, if we're going to try and find a middle ground, what I'm trying to say is, I think the argument that when we were we at some point going to get B, one like quite comprehensively, yeah, rolling over, not fighting. Players like Egan charging through the centre of the pitch when there's no one to actually press and getting dragged around like a little kid who's never played centre-half before. That's completely... There was no narrative that that was going to happen. So it's sort of like what I'm trying to say, I think it has to be in the middle. We can't say that statistically we were deserving of this over a period of time. Equally, we shouldn't be like, oh, yeah, well, you know, we've only lost 1-0, blah, blah. It's this... The stats and the reality both have to play have to play a role in, in where we conclude. Nobody before the weekend on a national football podcast was saying Sheffield United are going to get done by Newcastle, multiple goals. That was highlighted as a game with them coming off that difficult game in Milan and the way we've been competitive. By whatever means, we've been competitive in the other games and only lost by one goal. Where there was a chance of us beating them and stuff. So I don't know. I think, I think that's the yeah. worrying thing for me, how uncompetitive we were. Because mm-hmm. you're right. I mean, I, I'm, I'm playing a little bit as a devil's advocate in terms of the question and, and my, my thought process behind it. We have been competitive. That's the key word. Even when, even when the chips have been down a little bit and we've been up against it and back to the wall against City like we were, We've been competitive. We've been in their faces. We've made it difficult. We've defended and held us line really, really well. And it's that missing on Sunday that that is a a really big concern. Hopefully, it is a, a genuine one-off. But I worry that it it isn't. And I I expressed the view on Sunday. My concern was how we recover from that. And I say that. And then people said, well, other teams have, have lost and 8 9 nil, whatever, and, and survived the season. Yeah, the and... bottom was straight on that one, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. But, but for me, and it's hard, like you say, in, in the context of everything that, that had gone before and went on during the match, but we lacked our senior players. Our senior players who are on the pitch are going to be the leaders who are going to dig in and grab the rest of the team by the scruff of the neck and and drag them through a tough spot are either out of form, John Egan. Massively out of form, like uncharacteristically. I think said some things about him at the end of last season that he he went to his head or something. Well, someone someone made the point he'd played 60-odd games last season with Cup games for United, internationals. He, he looks mentally tired, actually, mm. at the start of the season. He doesn't look fresh, I'm presupposing. What do I know? But So, Egan, that's one of your lead, which captain. We've lost Billy Sharp, leader from the dressing room. Ollie Norwood, 
not a guaranteed starter now. Chris Basham. Norwood, what I would say about Norwood being a senior player, I'd say lead by example. He's a bit of a dour bloke. I don't imagine he goes round. No, but I, I'm talking about a sen- senior pros who have no, experience. No, people, and... Yeah, I, I just wanted to add that caveat. Yeah. No, I no, because Norwood's a voice on the pitch like some others. Yeah. No, but uh, the but tone yeah. setter, by the way, just, yeah, 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 and and bold, bold Basham can't get in team. Bold up, injured. Beyond that, you could throw McBurney in the mix, but he's too much of a well, I... cannon for me in that respect. But he, he, don't get me wrong, he, we missed him like mad on Sunday, and his his value only magnified in that in in the course of that game, both defensively and in an attacking sense. But in terms of those kind of experienced get hold of the rest of the team for various reasons they're just not there or performing and when it needs them as well as Heckingbottom McCall and Leicester to, to, to do this and I worry about what happens Saturday and I worry what that leads to I do think um, you touched on Heckingbottom's interview there John and I think the, the small snippet that's been on Football Heaven's Twitter, X, whatever you want to call it, has taken the, the wider piece of what he was actually pointly, he was making out of context. So the point he was trying to get at is the important thing now is how we react. And, and he was pointing out that teams have lost like this before and reacted the right way. And that, that's the key to what, what happens next. The question is, have we got, the ability to react and the, and when I say ability, I mean technical ability. And have we got the, the, the leaders in the dressing room to be able to pick ourselves up off the floor and actually make that reaction happen? Strength well, we, of personality. Yeah. Well, well, one thing I was going to touch on, Ian, you talk about like players. For me, the two players who lead by example, even when every one of the players you mentioned is firing on all cylinders, the Bulldog and McBurney. We don't lose 8 nearly if then two on the pitch. One of them probably gets sent off uh, because they go fucking a bit too far the other way. But, like, I th- I think they, McBurney has become, like, a leader because of how much we rely on him. And it's absolutely bonkers that we're saying that. We said that a year ago. People, if I said that a year ago, people were still laughing when I said that we shouldn't give up on him a year ago. And Do you think pretty- it shows the fact that we we were such a small team? Take out his leadership side of things, but we were such a small team because he was missing for that one game. Does that highlight a fact that we we missed a trick here with not signing another? Well, they weren't the budget target the, man. The Larucci, the the Larucci Thomas situation is why that ha- didn't happen, isn't it? Yeah, of course it is. Like, and they didn't find another half a million quid down the back of the sofa. Because uh, Bournemouth would have asked us for too much money for Kiefer Moore. He will be, they'll, they'll just be paying his wages, Millwall, if not even half. But they wouldn't have done that same deal with us. So, And he would have been a great alternative. Um, but I, I don't, when you talk about like the ability to react, in that team, I would, after May, no, I'd say... I'm going to say Robinson. He's pretty much the only player, and and Wes, they're the only two players who've consistently been in that team over the last six months without any sort of niggling injuries, being a new signing at the club, or needing to play them back to match fitness. Bogle needs 10 games probably because he spent most of last season in and out. We can't, we don't have that luxury in the Premier League to to play himself into form because he's going to lose games and he's not going to get um, his roles going to differ week to week depending on his opposition. That's just one player. Egan's obviously had this niggly injury. Annals had various things where he's not really been been hundred percent. Souza new signing probably not fit. Hamer new signing. So like we're trying to sort of gel aside anyway. Or we're like trying to build a new team on the go, and then you throw this sort of the curveball of the horrendous situation that happened last week, and then the curveball of getting completely dicked live on telly. 
it's not it's it's not a good recipe for for building a building a side that can like see they'd already had setbacks as well on the pitch and then this is like this is like the carpet being completely ripped out from underneath them um it's really it's it's really like changing a manager doesn't change it there's nothing you can do apart from to sort of like hope to play your way out of it and i 100%. don't I don't think that I don't think changing the manager now is going to make any difference whatsoever. But it doesn't help, does it, that Alan Biggs writes an article about Chris Wilder and Sheffield United being into into wine together in the local press. Yeah, it's been, more than that. It's been in, in the national press before then. It's but no, but like that the Daily Mail could print what the fuck they want because on the front page it'll be something bonkers anyway. So if you manage to get to the back page, more full you for reading it. But if somebody who claims to be like an advocate for the football in the city and stuff like Biggs does, talking about Wilder and United being intertwined like he did last week, when Heckingbottom's just had that, he's been in the press for the bad, for the not a good reason for his little rant after Spurs, which of course was justified. And then obviously what went on to happen, just think, no one's really made a fuss about that. Biggs shouldn't be. Biggs should just admit that he, he likes going to S6 and fucking stay there. Because he, if he's going to stir the shit like he did with that, he should get banned from Bamalane. It's just, a, it just it, that really wound me up and not enough was made of that. Should not be printing that. And then to say, oh, I'm a massive fan of Paul Eckingbottom, but Chris Wilder and Sheffield United. What's your point then, Alan? Go and fucking write an article on Ron Atkinson or something like that. Sorry. <laughs> Here's a here's one for you. There's some slightly changing the subject, but on based Wait, on am I am I like no no I mean I, I, but, I, but I think but I think every I think well every club had known about the angle some of you know the fill that goes on to fill the the column inches, but the point you just said about Heckingbottom and his rant. One thing I reflected on Sunday was, as much as I admire him for taking a stand, by Eck, that could backfire on us. It's a bit like when Bassett used to rant about David Ellery and others. I'm not sure it ever helped. It didn't it doesn't change decisions, but it might just enhance unconscious the decisions. bias that we were talking about, unconscious yeah. bias before he even had that rant, and that that could be um what's the word I'm looking for? Exacerbated, I, I guess, in terms of the way people react towards decisions for for or against Heckingbottom's team. Whether whether they're on the pitch decisions or in VAR rooms, it also doesn't strike you as somebody who's in control and believes that his players. It it it, it gives it gives the message of panic and desperation rather than, even though it is born out of frustration, it doesn't it doesn't present as a man who is very calm and collected. Um, bottom. That the rant he did at the after Spurs. I thought I, I I disagree, John. I thought he came across really, really measured. I thought he was um I thought he was clearly very frustrated, but I thought he was measured with what he was saying. Oh okay. Let me let me sort of spin it more. I, I don't think I've articulated myself very well here. I don't from a sort of where in the Sheffield United echo chamber, from outside that, does it look like somebody who's completely in control of his club and not under pressure? I'd say it looks like the opposite, even though... That shouldn't matter, though. No. Whether it needs saying or not. It adds to, it adds to this sort of this juggernaut of pressure and what Ian's talking about, how much it won't do us any favours. Because it'd be better... So you say you've got the sort of narrative that you've got around Edwards of really, you know, they've, they've done it on a budget, protecting, he's trying to implement his style, he's calm, collected, he, he's backing his players, he's a young English manager, we should give him support. Because of what he did after Spurs, that is now not, and this loss combined with that, that's not going to be the way Heckingbottom is talked about, even though he's not many years older than Edwards, the job he did at United to get us up last season, despite all the shit that was going off, or all be underplayed, it'll be always going to get angry at the referee again. They did get battered the other week. I, I think I, I think it I think 
I take your point, but I think it's exacerbated by soundbite media that, again, don't listen to the full interview and create this noise that is a whinging northern manager of those long ball merchants, Sheffield United, because they've not seen us for so many years. And I'm I'm, I'm exaggerating myself there, but do you know what I mean? It's that kind of, it builds on what they want to present United as. It's another result of the bubble that is the Premier League, isn't it? Oh, yeah. You know, exactly. You know, you, you've got Danny. I found, I found myself great pre-match prepping there. Yeah, Sunday morning, having been away the, last weekend, finally managed to gather myself just to watch the match of the day highlights of the Tottenham game. Don't ask me why. I just felt I, I needed to sit and watch it because I'd avoided it. I couldn't face it. I was, And then I heard the first bit when they finally got round to talking about us. I think it was Danny Murphy, and I just turned it off because he's got no Sorry. TV personality, football personality. He's got no fucking Mister Miserable, but he just. Sorry, I swear I don't swear often on here, do I? I'm not renowned for it. Well, Dan's not here. He's well, got the coat up, don't we? Someone described us as very sweary last week. Well, we were. I called. <laughs> I called them a sack of cunts, didn't I? So. <laughs> Um, but you know, it just it, it, again, it was like he's not really watched the game because they don't, and then he's taken some sound bites from an interview and not listened to the whole thing, mm. and basically says stop whinging. He also like he just he's one of these people who managed to have a job to be an expert summarizer, but doesn't really summarize anything or provide any meaningful insight. So basically he's a redundant waste of oxygen and they should be better off putting somebody else on in his place. Also, to lighten the mood, did you see the absolutely horrendous Partridge-esque thing at the start of Match of the Day on Saturday night this week when you knew it was going to be a dour day because they got Keown and Murphy on with Gary Lineker. Jesus Christ. I was going to say, we were talking about Murphy, Keown and Murphy are two people. I don't understand why the pundits, because they hate football. They must have been two of those people who played football but just hated it, just did it because they could. But I, I, I recommend anyone to go on iPlay and just watch the opening thing where he introduces them as saying like over 600 Premier League appearances and 140 yellow cards. Who got more? And Keown does this like awful face. And then Gary Lineker says, it was you, Danny Murphy, dirty Dan, and then goes, <laughs> and then they go into the uh, go into the first match. Honestly, don't watch it. I you don't. just told me to watch it and then said don't. Oh, just don't, as I pointed out on last week's pod, which is yeah. why I've not been involved in this conversation for the last five minutes. <laughs> but I think we could we could keep going over things from Sunday. It's it was a really dark day in a very dark week for Sheffield United. And on Saturday at three o'clock, hopefully. Paul and the players have an opportunity to put to put a few of those wrongs right. So we're going to take a minute, calm down, not think too much about Dirty Dan, and come back and preview the trip to West Ham. He's somewhere. He's somewhere on the M M one currently or M forty two, I think. <laughs> now it'll be interesting to see whether he listens to this, whether he calls you out for that or not. <laughs> yeah, he's on strike like his best mate Ramsdale. Right then, we'll be back in a minute. So welcome back to the second part of this week's Four Blades. Hopefully the first part wasn't too uh, downbeat, but we have just been beat 8-0. 8-0? 8 8-0. 8-0. At least Danny Baker enjoyed himself. Yeah. uh, Yeah, quite interesting hobby, Danny. Anyway. Definitely. So we've got, um, after, after what happened last weekend, we've got a nice simple trip down to the capital to... To play West Ham this weekend should be a nice, uh, nice, easy uh, game to get our form back. What do we reckon? Yeah, uh, <laughs> really looking forward to it. Um, I'm just my biggest worry at this stage is how many pints I can drink from like the time I get to the pub at about twelve, 
to getting into the ground, but actually being able to get into the ground. How many can I condense into that sort of <laughs> hour and a half, two hours I've got? And What's the tipping point before you've had too much to not be allowed in? I don't know. I've been to the match from before when I could barely speak and I've always got in, so... Um, well, I'll never forget Paul McDonald at West Brom. Hello, Paul, if you're listening. Yeah, uh, that was quite <laughs> incredible. It was like The Undertaker, a bit like Tyson Fury when he got knocked down. But I, uh, D- I, David K- David Kirkham escorting him through the turnstile to make sure he got in. Very, very good from Dave. Um, I, I don't know. I think I'm going to try and have about six before I get to the ground just to really. I'm joking. I don't know how many I'm going to have, but it's. It's going to be a long afternoon. I mean, it takes ages once you get off of the tube to walk into the stadium and then get your one pound into the binoculars on the seat in front so you can actually see some of the action. God knows. Yeah, it's going to be a tough day at office. West Ham have had a really positive start to the season and for a while have been really good at home. I know they lost the last home game to City, but City are just different, aren't they? Um yeah, like if they don't hurt you through Antonio, who's in a vitrine of form, they're deadly from set pieces, which is reassuring for us. They've got probably one of the most form midfielders in, in the league, if not European football, in Paqueta. Suchek's playing well again. Uh, they've got the fullbacks in Emerson and Kufal performing really well. Everyone's forgot that Zuma kicked a cap to death, and now they're playing. Ariola or whatever they called uh, in net, and he looks much more sure than Fabianski. But yeah, we should win one nil. It'd be fine. <laughs> I, I've stopped myself from doing Ariola joke, but anyway, um... for the breast, <laughs> it's definitely for the breast. Um, I I went to West Ham, and I've got, I had no inclination to go back. I'm going to Fulham, but I, I had no inclination to go back to West Ham, even though we we played well. Last time we were there in person um, and got a good good point. But if you look at it, they've lost two games. They've lost to City and they've lost to Liverpool. One three, drawn one, I think, of the rest. So for the rest of the division, they, they're kind of like the best, best of the rest, aren't they, at the minute, in that little probably two or three, four teams maybe. They're quite refreshing. I don't want them to do particularly well because I still don't like them after the Tevez business. But like... It's refreshing that a club lost their best player and actually invested the money well and have kicked on. It's like it, you don't see it very often. I can't think of many examples. It, it doesn't seem to happen to other clubs, apart from maybe Brighton, but they're some sort of like weird machine of quality. But yeah. The- I, find, I, find, I find it bizarre. The one thing I find bizarre is who would have said all yet that Michael Antonio would be playing up front still in a top 10, top 8 Premier League side. Well, they think you don't, they? They, they, um, they keep signing strikers who then they're perfectly good when they go back to a different club or go to a different club like Haller, Schemacher or whatever he's called. It's like a curse, the West Ham number nine. Like nobody can dislodge Antonio. And he started his career when Wednesday first had him on loan as like an attacking right back, right midfielder, and then converted to full striker, didn't he? Yeah. yeah. Got Ings on Ings on the bench, but again, done all right everywhere else, but can't can't mm. get that into West Ham team. Well, he, he moved to West Ham from Villa to actually get regular starts, and that's gone well for him, hasn't it? Poor Danny. Um, but, but yeah, they've, um, got, they've got a very good. They've got what I'd call a very good. They're like, this is where you see the real gulf in quality. So say like they're the eighth, well, probably not, but like for argument's sake, say they're the eighth, ninth best team in the league. Hmm. Get anywhere near them. We could only dream of having some of the players that they've got on their bench available to us. Like Danny Ings will be on 150 grand a week and he's not starting. Ben Rama. Ben Rama doesn't guarantee. Tudus. Time for big money in the summer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's been integrated, obviously, as well. He probably start and score an trick on Sunday, uh, Saturday, whatever day we go there. If you go there Sunday, you'll be drinking all afternoon. Guarantee you that. <laughs> I mean, not what I'd be doing around there on a Sunday afternoon, I don't know. But yeah, they've got a they've got a very good squad rest down. So we talk 
blown a lot of smoke up West Ham's arse, which isn't probably going to be very nice listening for Sheffield United fans. So how do we approach this game? How do we, A, approach it in terms of selection, but how do we approach it in terms of what the what we're doing on the training ground this week, what 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 we're doing to prepare the players mentally for it? I think that, that that last point's the thing. The preparation on the training ground won't be any different to previous games. It, it's how they react. It's it's how they react mentally and and how they put a performance in to put right some of the wrongs from Sunday. The, the, in terms of the preparation, like I said, that it'll be very similar to what it will have been for the rest of the, the Premier League season so far. In terms of the, the team, obviously McBurney comes straight back in. If Baldock's fit, I'd imagine he'll start. Who else drops out other than Bogle? Probably Norwood, I would say. Or yeah. McAtee. I think we can't, we've got to keep McAtee's another one needs to play into form. He's got to be allowed the time to play into play into form. And yeah, we could do with having a player to come on at, at, like with 20 minutes to go if we're still in the game like McAtee. We don't have that many good players at the moment with the injuries, so we need to to get the best players I, on the pitch. I see. I'd I'd probably say you start with Norwood and just try and keep us a bit more solid and a bit more steady state. What do we um, do? We is the shout of Davis coming in because I would suggest I think the sort of you know the sub appearances and the fact he had that like planned forty five minutes last week might be suggesting that. He's getting ready for. He's getting ready for a start. I don't know. I think he certainly gives us more energy in the middle of the park than what than what Norwood does. But mm. I don't know. If if Davis starts, obviously your midfield three in that case would be Hamer, Souza, and Davis. Is that what you'd say? Yeah. So how do, how do they line up, and where do they predominantly play? Well, your more advanced one probably have to be Hamer out of that. So Hamer as an uh, hey Hamer more as a eight slash ten. Davis as an eight. Sue's as a six. If we're actually, I don't go for six. Six is your centre half for me anyway. We've got to do this. This is what they're all talking in these terms. Ian, I agree that a six would be a four traditionally. Yes, however, like on all this. All these people who know stuff about tactics, that's how they talk about it, don't they? So, I don't know. I, I Tactics, schmactics. Yeah. Well, we don't fucking know what they are after Sunday, do we? But, yeah. That, that, I don't know. Well, one I'm thing's not... for certain, he won't be switching it to four at the back like he did at our time on Sunday. I mean, that hasn't worked. We've not done... We've not played like that now for nearly, te- like, however many years. We can't... <laughs> Like you haven't played with the back four for like eight years or whatever it is, so we can't do it. So why, like, stop? <laughs> and even in it's one of our most successful seasons in living memory, we started the season with the back four and didn't win any games until we changed away from that formation. Oh, anyway, yeah, I don't know the Davis one. I I just get the impression that he is a player that Hecking Bottom likes. And he's probably, out of all our midfield players, our most experienced Premier League player in that position. Yeah, he's the most experienced uh, Premier League player in the squad. So if you get well, yeah. So if we get him, if we get him fit and we can knock a tune out of him, I think he probably will play a lot. I said at the time, I thought it was a really, really good signing. Just questions about his fitness. So who knows? You know the tune we get out of him? Will it be by some like hipster band that no one's heard of, but it's a little bit avant-garde? Hopefully, yeah. I'm the sort of stuff I like, so I'm well up for that. Like. <laughs> He's the warm doucher of uh, <laughs> United Squad. Yeah, definitely. But he's, um, I don't know, Davis, he, he fits the bill of a midfielder I like. He's good at passing, which some people seem to like in United history. A lot of players have not been able to do that. We've got a lot of players like Nick Montgomery, for example. Um, but yeah, it's. Um, I think that's the only area of the pitch really that there's any conversation, isn't there? He, he will play. Archer's another one needs to play. It'll, it'll, well, he needs to play with McBurney as well. Yeah, and that's the point. Everyone slagged him off Sunday. 
There was nothing happening Sunday. I felt so sorry for yeah. him Sunday. The ball just yeah. getting pumped up long term and he got someone a foot taller than him just reaching over him with his head. What chances yeah. has he got? Yeah. And it all and any sort of attempt to sort of also in that first 20 minutes, there was a lovely couple of like one twos with him and McAtee and stuff. Like you put like technically good players with each other, they they'll craft chances. That's why like that's the level we're at. And they're they're both technically very good, McAtee and and I'd probably put Hamer into that as well. I don't know, it's I think what we have to look at some Saturday as being is gonna be it's going to be incredibly challenging, but if we can get to half time, and then it's all about managing the game from there, I would love, in a way, a valiant, slightly undeserved but fully committed nil-nil, and just be the best. Like, would be an amazing result. Obviously, if we're able to get a win, wonderful, magic. But if we can really, really dig in, defend heroically, be committed, and get something for that level of effort, it would, I don't know, I think it would set a very good context for a slightly, you'd argue, more winnable game the week after. Well, I'm admiring your positivity because most of the rest of us were positive last week and look where that goes. I'm not saying that I think I know, but like that, that's like no, a, that's a wish list, talk, isn't it? That's what you want to see. You talk about a perfect, but you're talking about perfect storms in football. So we would grow in the longer it's nil nil, the more we'd grow in confidence. Or if after two minutes they pump it long and ball bounces over that, um, over Zuma's head and Archer's one on one slips it under keeper and one nil up, all of a sudden everything changes. I'm not saying that's that's an incredibly specific prediction but things like that happen imagine if it happened now well yeah I've not checked the lottery numbers for tonight but yeah (laughs) no but you're like you know something like that happening or staying in the game for a long period of time like and then and then you build on it whereas stupid bit of defending like Robinson gets over exaggerate over keen after two minutes comes out defence Gets yellow carded for a overzealous challenge or a perfectly good one. You don't know these days. And Ward bangs one in off underside at bar. Tom Skinner's fucking selling candles for 50p. They're all blowing bubbles and going bonkers. And it's just going to be a long fucking afternoon. I mean, sweet does, doesn't it? He'll bosh and all that. That's when he's not eating like full English vindaloo for breakfast or whatever. Yeah. But like, it's. If they score early, it's going to be a really long afternoon. But if we stay in the game, that has to be the hope. You can't prepare players saying, oh, just stay in the game. But secretly, that's what Heckingbottom will want to happen. The long I think you can. I think, I think that's what exactly what we did against City. And I think we almost have to approach the game like we did against City to be difficult to break down before anything else. Yeah. And the long, like you, you bang on, John, the longer the game goes on, the more confidence we'll get. And the more chance we've got of breaking out of that um, tight sort of knit defence and midfield being very close together and and not letting much happen, the the longer the game goes on, the the, the more chance we've got of getting something. And and I think I think they'll approach the game very much in the same way they did that City game. Mm. It won't be overly. I'm not expecting to be entertained and watch us stroke it around like and win three 0 in million years. I don't think we'll do that until we're in the league below, and even then we'll probably struggle because we won't have a team because all the contracts are up. But, like, um, <laughs> lovely dose of positivity, haven't I? But, like, I I just think I'd, if we get something on Saturday, I wouldn't be shocked, but I also won't be shocked if we get a, a three or four niller again. I think I'm in I'm similar, similar sort of mindset to you, John. Just you, be, see it, you do see it a lot where teams get dicked like this and that th- there is a reaction. There has to be. The problem is the reaction against a team that is so littered with talent is difficult. Mm. Yeah, and the thing is, they've become, since we last went there, it's a bit like, it's become a bit like Upton Park, hasn't it? Like, you've got people... Like it's an intimidating place to go. They often get results against the bigger teams there. It's it's full every week. They've obviously won something. 
like it's very different to how it was when we got that point there under Wilder in the first season in the Prem last time, which for a start was three years ago, four years ago, whatever it was. And if you remember that game, Ian, you come down to that one, Phil, I can't remember. No. So we score with the like sort of Moose scuff shot, don't we? Yeah. And in the last minute, Snodgrass hit the post. And it was one of them where it probably happened in about two seconds, but it felt like about five minutes as the ball landed to him and he swung his foot at it. Like it was like the way things are going for West Ham and us at the minute, that if we're in a situation like that and it falls to bloody Maxwell Corney, he puts it in. Another I've just looked who's playing for West Ham tonight, and like I think it's obvious strength in depth and how much far behind, but this is pretty much a fully changed side apart from to Suchek. So Fabianski in the net. Uh, I can't say, it. I don't know how to, but I'll have a go. Kea, um, can't remember his nationality, but he's in, I think he's German maybe, really good player. Uh, Mavra, the Greek centre-half who was at Arsenal <laughs> signed in the summer. This is going well. Ogbonna, Ben Johnson, England under 21, Winner yeah. in the summer, Ben Rama, Fornals, Kudis, Suchek, Corne and Ings. It's basically a boost of the bench from Sunday. And you would have to a man every one of those players in our side. So yeah. I think it's important just to remind ourselves of that occasionally. You can make an argument for some of them not being as good as ones we've got. Okay. But like genuinely, we'd love a Danny Ings. We haven't got we haven't got that particularly Corne, Kudis, Fornells and Ben Rahm, if they don't start on on Saturday, they're four players who can stretch a game, bring you something different off the bench. Ings is a different, different sort of um different beast to Antonio as well, isn't he? So, like, there's just five players there who can offer you something completely different. And we're having to stick, like, Traore on, bless him, or Samani. It was not... It's it's chalk and cheese. And they they keep saying on Blazepod about, like, some random foreign loans. 100% right. Don't know why we didn't do more of it, but there we go. Everyone's injured, aren't they, as well? Lots of great things happening at Bramall Lane. Jesus Christ. I was really looking forward to this as well. I've, I've enjoyed it, but yeah, sorry. So what's your prediction, John? We've had your uh, wish list. What's your I've prediction? Got, no, I think United will get a point on Saturday, nil-nil. And it'll be... I'm just trying to, I'm trying to stay optimistic because I do think as embarrassing and as shameful as Sunday was, I, I, I do think losing 8 nils is a one-off. Fucking better be. <laughs> Phil? Uh, you know, I'm I'm quite an optimistic blade at the best of times, but I don't feel it at the minute. Uh, I'm going a 3-0 loss. I'm going 2-0 loss. I think we'll hold out for a bit. But, well, and I don't, think we'll, I don't think we'll capitulate. I don't think we'll capitulate, but in the end, it'll be kind of a comfortable 2-0. Because we have, if we go behind and we're not creating, I don't know where the spark is in the current, if if the if the current mentality is there. But I hope I'm proven wrong. Well, we were really wrong do. last week, massively wrong. So let's hope. You know, our our prediction uh, expertise is uh, similarly I'm, awful this week. We've never been good at that, though, have we? Let's have that right straight away. We're all well. No, we, we, we get swung down. We get excited when we win, and then when we lose, <laughs> we're just like, "Oh no, this is terrible, terrible." Anyone who think we're just football fans? Yeah. <laughs> they do just like. Have they, have they seen my fancy football score? It's just... who's top actually in the league, and I'm not like this. Isn't a segue because I am, so I don't think I am. Ah, uh, Sam, I think. Yeah. Oh, well. Yeah. Yeah. Less said about that, the better. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Surprised he hadn't messaged everyone. No, no. It's he, he, a bit early, isn't it? In game week six or whatever we're in. Jesus Christ. In the SUFC podcasters, though, I am the highest uh, Four Blades representative, so I'll take that, even though I'm seventh in ours. 
Oh, maybe Dan didn't join the other. Anyway, FPL chat, slagging it off last week. And then I was going to say. <laughs> yeah, I know. But... We flip-flop like the wind. It's like our predictions. Well, there's, you, there's only certain guarantees with Four Blades. We won't all agree. There'll be plenty of bad language. And, uh, yeah, managed to get through the episode without a rant about Eddie Howe, actually. But we'll save that for when we play them at home. Um, I wonder what Dan wants to happen to him if James Madison's pelvis is twitching before Bramall Lane. I dread to think what before St. James's Park Dan's got planned for Eddie Howe, but hopefully he can tell us about that um, next week when we've got something from the game West Ham we preview for them. So good to catch up, boys. I look forward to seeing how many pints I can drink before the game. And there'll be another issue of the Dem Blades London. We're in London, aren't we, supplement being given out on Saturday. So do have a look out for that. I've not put anything in this one, but I'm going to the game with some of the lads who who sort that. And, uh, yeah, it's completely free. So it's a nice little publication. So you might need something to read because what's going on the pitch might be quite depressing. We all know. Um, we all know, given the, given the twisted footage this week, that that's a common thing for Blades fans to do. Absolutely, yeah. It was. Uh... To be fair, she brings a blind husband. He, he listens to the commentary, I, I, and she she's not she's just here to keep him company. Yeah, but having that does, doesn't fit the narrative of the of of Premier League football Twitter, does it? No, no. How embarrassing! A book. Good job. Uh, good job. Callan Robinson's still not here. That would have really blown his mind. You know what happens when when he sees people reading. Uh, <laughs> Do you remember that one, Phil? Yeah. Yeah, I do. Yeah, he, everyone bemoaned him leaving. Anyway, right. Been a pleasure, boys. And there's only one thing to say. Up the blades. Up the blades. Up the blades. <laughs>